Oh yes, back to school today. People looking at me like I had an answer. Not even an answer, not like they're all bright-eyed. More like just, do you have a plan? What's going on here? And I don't know if I do have a plan. I'm just trying not to cry. I often tell them that my chief pedagogical goal is to not cry in front of them, which is not untrue. I'm always honest with them. I'll say that I'm kidding, and I always joke around. But I'm never kidding. The short Billy Collins poem says, Maybe it's just me, but the next stanza is where I start to have a problem. That's how I feel. I see a corner coming up. And there's going to be trouble around that bend. The whole Zoom thing has really just forced me to think about what I'm doing and the nature of what I'm doing and what a teacher is. I don't even know what a teacher is all the time. I realize it's a lot more, a lot different than what I'm doing in class and that what I'm doing in class is mostly not being a teacher. I mean, I got to do the class. I got to show up and I got to talk. But uh, really, the classroom is the frame for learning, not the center of it. And uh, we forget that until it's taken away from us. You start teaching them by listening to them talk to each other. You overhear that one of them has a dog or a horse or that, you know, one of them is a poet or one of them works as a roofer or one of them is a waitress at a restaurant you go to. Um, and all of those things become part of the part of the basic information you use to try to cultivate a relationship uh, with these students. And Zoom just kind of like takes all of that out of the world. You have to suddenly build into the thing um, components that are just uh, just naturally occurring in the classroom environment. I have a friend. He's a former graduate student. He got his Ph.D. and went into upper administration in private school. And I know his family. His dad's a nice guy. I really enjoy his company, and I hang out with him occasionally, though I haven't in quite a while. But he told me that when he first started teaching, he was hired to be an artist. And that over the years, the schools and state standards and curriculum asked him to be a technician, and the joy went out of it. And I think that's really interesting that a teacher is an artist. I think that's right. I'm just not sure what the parameters of the art are. In We Make the Road by Walking, Paulo Freire writes, the teacher is, of course, an artist. But being an artist does not mean that he or she can make the profile, can shape the students. What the educator does in teaching is to make it possible for students to become themselves. Freire uh, uh, critiques the banking model of education, as he calls it, where we think the student is like an empty bank account. We're going to fill that student up with our 
particular information. I think that's a terrible model. He thinks that's a terrible model too, of course. But, uh, you know, I don't want to make copies of me. I don't feel like I've been successful enough to be the end point of evolution. What you're really trying to do is, as he says, make it possible for students to become themselves. And in order to do that, you need to sort of know what's already in there. And then you need to provide some basic information for them to become themselves. And I think it's also really important to remember that you're one part of that, that they got to get that experience uh, from different places and different contexts. Got to have some humility about all of it, I guess, is what I'm saying. In jazz, when you're comping for someone, you try to provide for them the information for them to become themselves. And, and what I mean by that is like you don't want to like overwhelm them with harmonic or rhythmic information um, because you want to provide the space for them to create the composition on their own. You're just providing some basic scaffolding for that. But I think that that's the deal. The teacher is your accompanist. The teacher tries to just give you the structure for you to invent yourself within. And I hope I'm doing some of that. I, I feel like in life that I am doing some of that in the classroom. I feel like I've just developed tools for that and I feel that that they're kind of being taken away from me right now, and I and I and I regret that. I'm I'm struggling. I'm working. Don't worry. I'm fighting for him. I'm trying to figure out a way to put that back in. Um, but I'm having a hard time with it. I think as most of us are. You know, there's another thing about my analogy though that's interesting to me right now and thinking about that, and it's that when I'm comping for someone, I don't really listen to them too much. It's a, it's a very direct relationship, but I try to just sort of focus on what I'm doing. I listen to dynamics so that I can follow them into dynamic changes, but I feel like if I listen to what they're creating too much, that I'll follow them um, in a way that might not be what they want. Like they'll start pushing towards a chord change, building tension to make it resolve, and maybe like if I'm listening, I'll resolve it for them where they don't want it resolved. And so in a way, there's got to be some denial of the game you're playing with each other in order to sustain it. And I feel like that with, with um, teaching too. Like I don't really want to uh, become too self-conscious about like those moments that they're becoming themselves. I want to just sort of let those things happen organically or else you kind of can knock the magic out of it. I want to call my teaching method, let's pretend we're talking about a poem. Um, and I, I guess what I'm saying in a way is like I don't really know how students are processing things. And in some ways, I don't quote unquote care. I do care, but what I really understand is that you have to have faith that they're doing something with the experience and that it's up to them to do something with it. And it's not necessarily my job to track it um, or, or police it. And, you know, they experience this in just such different ways. It's hard to it's hard to know how they're processing things. I'm in there sitting there thinking like, oh, I've got to 
cover this or that, but I'm also thinking I ought to try to get to know them and connect with them. I, I hope that they don't blame me for the epidemic or the fact that we're on Zoom. And then one of them, the comment that he wants to say is that I look like uh, one of the guys on Sons of Anarchy. Like, I don't... Okay. <laughs> I probably do. I'm not suggesting that I don't look like a fake TV biker. I just don't really know what to do with that information or what it means relative to me trying to make it through the syllabus. I don't know. I guess, uh, like any performance, I guess what I'm just recognizing is that there's there's the experience of delivering it and there's the experience of receiving it. And those two things are separate. And, and I guess the real art is learning how to perceive those things from both sides at the same time and, and learning... Uh, to focus on what they're learning rather than what I'm doing, rather than saying like, oh, wow, I was really smart back then. <laughs> I, I try to focus on, wow, I, I think they learned something. But the, you know, experiential side of it from my perspective is also uh, like performing in a musical context and that you have to get some kind of flow going in order for the ideas to come out smoothly and I find uh, I have a difficult time with that on the zoom situation I'm thinking a lot about the relationship between performing as a musician though and uh, and teaching for for a lot of different reasons I think I think about it often but uh, the new movie on Pixar soul or is it Pixar or Disney I don't know soul has me thinking about that I uh have been interested in seeing the film because John Baptiste did the uh, the jazz tunes for it. Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails did the the score, the soundtrack, but uh, but Baptiste did the uh, did the jazz songs for it. I imagine you all know Baptiste from the Colbert Show. He's a a young performer of an amazing pedigree. Uh, the Baptiste family is in like every New Orleans brass band ever to exist, going back and to time immemorial. I first discovered him when he was on the David Simons um, show, Treme, which I think is is great. If you're into jazz or New Orleans music, you got to see it. And there was a character, Antoine Baptiste, who was uh, played by Wendell Pierce, who was also in the great David Simons uh, series the wire but uh Antoine is is like a you know a fictional family member to John Baptiste there's a really interesting scene interesting part of his trajectory where he flirts with becoming a teacher and you know he doesn't really want to do it he doesn't want to put on a suit he doesn't want a nine to five but there's a scene where he's listening to Papa Celestine's Marie Laveau from I think 1954 you should check out the recording it's really great and uh a young girl hears it, and she comes by, and she wants to come in and talk to him about it, and, and he starts to break it down a little bit, and she knows about certain um, parts of the New Orleans tradition, call and response and things, and uh, and we see in there, you know, that he's learning more about himself than she's learning, or, you know, they're learning from each other, I guess. He's struggling with whether he should um, continue to be a working musician or become a teacher, and 
becoming a teacher seems to be settling for him, but you just sense that it's not. It's really his calling that he should give up scuffling from gig to gig and start reaching people who will spread the music rather than enjoy it only as listeners. And of course, uh, the great thing about being a teacher is he can do both. Anyway, the connection here is there's a similar storyline in Soul and the real-life John Baptiste from The Colbert Show kind of knits those things together. He's an amazing, uh, an amazing person and a bright light and, and just a great presence on that show. Um, and he did a wonderful job with the soundtrack on, or the jazz songs on Soul. And in a very similar storyline to the Treme episode I'm talking about, uh, there's a, a young pianist in there, or an aging pianist, I guess, called Joe, who is uh, searching for that one breakout gig that's uh, going to get him out of the coffee houses and get him into the big New York City jazz clubs. And he gets through a, through a former student, not incidentally, he gets... Uh, Gets the shot at the dream gig, and I, I won't give away the whole story, but he basically uh, has to come to some conclusions about the relationship between uh, his teaching, which he thinks of as just sort of like something he's got to do to get by, and his performing life. And it turns out, I think, ultimately, that there are some parts of his teaching life that are annoying at the day-to-day, -day, but incredibly meaningful at the overarching global level. And there are some things that are really, really meaningful at the day-to-day -day in the performance, but not necessarily as meaning in the overarching. Um, and I think that that's a really interesting sort of inversion in the in the in the film, and it's something that I think I've considered often you know uh, he there are several scenes i think are really smart in terms of like improvisational music he you know there's definitely a a, a, a conversation about the place you go to uh, as a soloist when you're in the middle of a creative process and how it borders on something that can be magical or it can be dangerous and i think that it's um maybe within the scope of the film, magical when you're able to take other people with you. And it's similar to teaching. Sometimes when you're up there thinking you're being really smart, you're not necessarily teaching them anything. And sometimes when you're just being real and ordinary with them, you are teaching them something. And uh, I think there's also you know, an, an awareness that when you see the people you've taught in the world, you have an ongoing connection with them. The drummer comes back to pick Joe up and give him the gig of his lifetime. Um, and that relationship becomes meaningful in the way that maybe the gig is not because, you know, you pack up your stuff and you leave, everyone's gone. You walk out to your car alone. It feels really uh, transactional in a way that's um, empty a lot of the times, frankly. But teaching, I guess at least at its best, is, uh, is relational rather than transactional. Joe comes to realize that he has that kind of relationship with one of his students when she, you know, is sort of threatening to quit playing music, but she 
is going out of her way to tell him that, so obviously she wants him to intervene in some particular way. And I think he thinks for a minute that that she's discovered the same thing about music that he's discovered that it'll take you to some magical place uh, of your own. But really what he's on the verge of discovering is that you don't own that place. You share it. Often when I think about people in my life, friends who've had to make a decision to, uh, you know, make a choice between being a performing musician and being a teacher, uh, some of them sometimes have felt that they have made uh, the wrong choice by being a teacher. Uh, but I don't think most of them have. I never really found myself in a position like Joe. I never really had to pick between a career in music or a career teaching. Most of my friends were professional musicians when they were younger and they were on the road. Some of them had a certain amount of success. Some of them had quite a bit of success, um, but didn't quite make it, uh, you know, as a as something that they could permanently make a living at. And then they came back to teaching. And uh, I think many of them are great teachers and they found their calling and teaching is really where they should have ended up. But I really was more focused on my intellectual life than my musical life and never really had to make that decision. And yet I do identify with that aspect of Joe where you're doing some other thing and it seems important and at the particular level and moment by moment, you're just a little bit annoyed by these students. They are asking stuff of you and your head somewhere else and you've got limited emotional reserves for dealing with them and you kind of just need a break and maybe you want to run off and play a gig or just get away or do whatever but then at the prospect of that being taken away that teaching life and being around those students being taken away permanently and it really resonated with me since, you know, I've been teaching at home for real close to one calendar year now. And it looks like it's going to go on not just for this coming semester, but the one after that. And uh, I'm feeling like I'm in a position to lose that permanently. And I've really, really recognized how of all the different threads of my existence and identity and how they pull me in different directions at different times and just realizing that teacher is the center of that and it's more than just the center of that it's a hub that these other things can swing on being a studier and a learner helps me continue to stay engaged as a musician being a performer heightens my awareness awareness of audience and tries to get me focused on doing something worthwhile for them in the classroom. It's the it's the hub of it and I really saw that in this movie Soul and it really resonated with me and so even though I'm grouchy about stuff and my back's hurting and I am all zoomed out for the day I'm really really grateful to have a life as a teacher and to do that. And I hope that some of them appreciate it, and I think that they do, and it really makes a, a profound difference to me. 
So maybe I'll just say to my students, and uh, maybe I have something like a similar relationship to whoever's listening to this podcast. I want to say thank you. I'm grateful. Anyway, see you next week. Be well. Take care of yourselves. Watch that film. It's the least depressing jazz film I've ever seen. (laughs) Maybe. All right, I'm out. Bye.